and welcome to the Famous Five podcast, in which we share with you a Famous Five adventure written by Enid Blyton. Today's book is Five on Kieran Island again. If you haven't read the book and you don't want to be subject to spoilers, please turn off now and come back when you've read it. Hello, Hello. And welcome to Five on Kieran Island again. How are you, Jen? I'm very well, thank you. I've had a... Well, actually, my month has passed very fast because I started a new job, so that always makes time rush by, doesn't it, when you're learning new things. And at the moment, the most exciting thing I have happening is I've got a little house guest called Stanley, and he is a bald cat. He's one of the Sphinx breeds. And when I first met him, I was a bit weirded out by him. Anybody who's met a sphinx before, I think, will understand. It's a bit strange. You're used to cats with hair. And now I'm just absolutely in love with him. I just adore him. I just want to, like, kiss him and stroke him and cuddle him all day long. And he's so funny and sweet. So there's always room in my heart for more friends, especially if they're animals, I think, is the the long and the short of it. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, I managed to get over the cold I had on the last recording and catch another one, so apologies again if I sound croaky. In the meantime, I I myself had a little house guest, but only for two nights, and you're very familiar with that guest, Jen, because it was (gasps) you. Yeah, when you were saying you've got a cold again, I thought, did you catch my cold? Because I had kind of a stinky one when I was with you. Mm, possibly. Mm, sorry. Oh, it's all right. I'm getting used to it. Maybe I'll be well by book 21. We shall see. A wonderful goal. So we are talking about book six, and we have got a very special announcement to make at the end of the podcast, so hang around for that, please. Mm. So, five on Kieran Island again. Uncle Quentin is busy working on Kieran Island, and it's all top secret. He doesn't want anyone to visit, not even the famous five. But the island is full of hiding places, and Uncle Quentin is not alone. Someone wants to steal his ideas and ruin his plans. George is determined to find her father and save her island, no matter what dangers await. She can't do it without the others. Can they help her in time? Was that on the back of yours? That's on the back of mine. That is so funny because you and I, the book I've got this time, obviously you've got a set, our books have got the same illustration on the front and they were released in the same year, but the back of mine is a lot more concise. Mine is just, what is Uncle Quentin up to on Kieran Island? He won't let anyone visit, not even the famous five, but he's not alone on George's Island. Somebody is watching his every move. Oh, how strange. I know. But joyfully, I've got an, an original text version and not, not a modern one. No modern. Oh, thank goodness no. for that. We don't want any of that modern nonsense. Not modern nonsense? No, not at all. So shall we dive into chapter one? Oh, please, let's. And I'd just like to say um, at the start that I loved this book pretty much from the get-go. I was... This is one of my favourites. This might actually be my favourite so far, I think. So let's go. Let's do this. Wow, that is exciting. 
In chapter one, Anne is doing her prep in the common room when George comes in to tell her that she's had a letter from her mother to tell her her father is working on Kieran Island and he's going to build some sort of tower for science. George is furious, of course. It's her island. But Anne placates her. Okay. George thinks her father should have given her permission to use the island. Anne sends her off to see Timmy, so that cheers her up. George goes and she tells him all about it. Then she smuggles Timmy into her dorm room. Anne suggests that they stay at her house, but George wants to keep an eye on her father on her island. The school breaks up for the holidays and they jump on the train to meet the boys. In this chapter, I very much liked the uh, the science things. And I like our little introduction to Uncle Quentin where Anne has just read the letter. Oh, no, sorry. It's just before Anne reads the letter. And George is saying, oh, I don't want father living on my island and I don't want him building things. Fair enough. And Anne says, oh, George, you know your father is a very famous scientist who needs to work in peace. So if if this was your first book, you already know that Quentin is big stuff and he is a famous scientist. And then more on the subject of his science a bit later in the chapter. George says she she wants to go home and she wants to keep an eye on father. I don't want him blowing up Kieran Island with one of his experiments. You know he's messing about with explosives now, don't you? Ooh, atom bombs or things like that, said Anne. Um, no, Anne, that is very dark and he is not making atom bombs on Kieran. Thank goodness. <laughs> we don't know. It's never been specified. It seems his science is very wide ranging. It's so wide ranging. Yes, I mean, I hope it's not atom bombs. I suppose George, actually to that George says, I don't know. But I think we as the reader know that he is not making atom bombs. We hope. What would Aunt Fanny say? She actually has a lot to say about Quentin and his naughtiness in this book. So we'll find out, we'll actually find out about that, what she has to say. In chapter two, whilst waiting for their trains, they go to the tea rooms for buns and ginger beer. And George tells them how Timmy is sort of behaving himself at school. Julian talks very seriously about Uncle Quentin's important science. And George says how disappointed she is. There's a line which is, book up with your bun, which when I first read it, I thought it meant cheer up. But it just means hurry up with eating your bun. I'm really glad you brought that bit up because when I read that sentence, I actually laughed out loud because it reminded me so much of Dick saying, have another egg and forget about it, Um, which, as you know, cracked me up in a previous book. But I read it as, because I know they were eating buns, they were having ginger beer and buns. And I thought that Julian was saying, you know, sort of like buck up, like cheer up. And then because he had a bun, buck up with your bun. And I love it. I've added it to my have another egg and forget about it repertoire. Excellent. I like it. Aunt Fanny meets them at the station and they head to Kieran Cottage. On the way, they see Kieran Island and the enormous tall thin tower with a glass enclosed roof at the top. And surprisingly, George doesn't like it. Aunt Fanny says she worries about Uncle Quentin being on his own, and Julian suggests a system of signalling that's very sensible. Just when George is about to blow up again, the patriarch (laughs) steps in, but Anne is on hand to smash it in its face. I think you're going to read the section that I... I mean, if I believed in writing in books, I would have underlined this and highlighted it and thrown glitter on it. It was my favourite thing. 
Good old George. She's actually learnt not only to give in, but to give in gracefully. George, you're more like a boy than ever when you act like that. George glowed. She liked Julian to say that she was like a boy, but Anne looked a little indignant. It isn't only boys that can learn to give in decently and things like that, she said. Heaps of girls do. Well, I jolly well hope I do myself. I love, love that bit. Well done, Anne. Yes. Yeah, it is good. Good old Anne. Too right. Smashing the patriarchy. And then Aunt Fanny calls her a firebrand, which is lovely. They arrive at the wonderful Kieran Cottage, have their tea, and Joanna is back on the scene. Hooray! Good news. I know, I was so pleased when it was Joanna there. In Chapter 3, they prepare to visit the island, and Julian ponders life as a scientist. Uncle Quentin leads a rather exciting life, really, doesn't he? I wouldn't mind being a scientist myself. I want to be something really worthwhile while I grow up. I'm not just going into somebody's office, I'm going to be on my own. I think I shall be a doctor, said Dick. I'm off to get my boat, said George, rather bored with this talk. She knew what she was going to do when she was grown up. Live on Kieran Island with Timmy. George is planning to live everybody's dream. Now, for some reason, Alf the Fisherboy, his name is James. And there's a bit of, I did a bit of research, but it shows that nobody's 100% sure why his name's changed. There are some fan theories, but it's also possible that Enid Blyton was churning out so many books that she just forgot. Now, I like to think he is the same boy, and he is called Alf James, and sometimes he gets called by his first name or his surname. I'm glad that you brought that up, because I wondered when they started calling him James, and first of all, I thought it was my edition, and then I realised, actually, no, I'm reading the same one as you. But I like your theory that his name, he's Alfred James, so sometimes he's Alf, sometimes he's James. I like that, Katie, thank you. And they meet him as they get the boat ready. They arrive at the island, mentioning again how tricky it is to navigate the rocks, and that they can't find Uncle Quentin, nor where he is sleeping. They shout for him for a long time, but he doesn't appear, and they wonder if he's in the dungeons. I know that it's explored in this book, but I definitely feel the same way they do, where just sort of, how dare Uncle Quentin be on their island, and he is somewhere that they don't know. I think George, sorry, I think Dick is quite eaten up with curiosity about it and can't let it go. And I was Dick. I was Dick with that. I wanted to know. Well, in Chapter 4, they're still looking for Uncle Quentin as he isn't in the dungeons or the cave that they stayed in. They briefly go up the tower and it's full of odd-looking cables with a wonderful view, but all to no avail. So they start their picnic. It's mentioned that Uncle Quentin did some science at Cheddar Gorge to do with stalactites. Even more variety of science. And then suddenly there's a strange growling and hissing noise. The wires light up and as if from nowhere appears Uncle Quentin. And hopefully the wires aren't lighting up because it's an atom bomb. In Chapter 5, Uncle Quentin had no idea that they were coming because he forgets everything, remember? Uncle Quentin won't say where his workroom is and he's mad at them for going up the tower. He's not eaten because he's so forgetful. Uncle Quentin assures Aunt Fanny that he is safe and they agree a signal at 10.30am and p.m. with a torch or a mirror. 
Uncle Quentin basically escorts them off the island, and the fact they don't know what's going on is an agonising, unsolved mystery. Absolutely. And at the end, when George... She actually says, well, it's a mystery, said George gloomily. And I think it's horrible having a mystery about my very own island and to be forbidden to go to it and solve it. It's really too bad. Yes, 100% yes. In chapter six, it's bad weather and they realise Uncle Quentin won't be able to signal. Anne wonders if she'll be allowed to stay up until 10.30. To which Dick says, I shouldn't think so said Dick. I expect Julian and I will stay up, but you kids will have to buzz off to bed. George gave him a punch. Don't call us kids. I'm almost as tall as you are now. And also, Dick, George is the same age as you. Like, even if there's a few months between you, you're still the same age. And I don't think there can be many months between them, because in every single book, they're the same age. Yeah, exactly. Dick, come on. They meet a man and a boy when they're walking to the Coast Guard's cottage. And the Coast Guard is making wooden toys for his grandson and selling them to the new man and boy who've moved in next door. They find out the man is called Mr Curtin and his son spends time with the Coast Guard helping him paint toys. The five want to look through the telescope to Kieran Island and then Timmy knocks over some paint that belongs to the boy. On the way back, they meet the boy and he isn't cross about the paint. He asks about the island and Uncle Quentin, and Dick is suddenly quite rude. Yes, you'd told me that Dick acts out of character in this book. Um, So when I was reading it, I was looking for him to act out of character. And when this happened, I thought, I wonder if that's it, because Dick's usually our jolliest one, and I wouldn't think he would behave in that way. But um, actually, I found out later that that wasn't Dick being out of character. In Chapter 7... Mr. Curtin arrives and talks about the island again. We learn the boy is called Martin and they have a television. Ooh. Now, this was something we talked about in the first one, I think, Jen, because you actually asked if they ever watch TV or use radios, I think. Yes, I did. But the, the television is treated as though it is a treat. They're all very excited that he's got a television. So I guess they don't, they don't watch very much telly at all. But radio they would have, wouldn't they? Dick reveals that he felt suspicious, and then he's quite mean to George. They argue, but Dick says that he didn't like Martin and thinks Timmy didn't either. Then they have a talk about what VIP means. They've all gone a bit odd in this bit. They actually have, because when I thought this was Dick being out of character, I thought, well, all of them are being a bit strange. And I do still think it's interesting that Timmy had no impression one way or the other of Martin and just acted like he wasn't there. I still think that's suspicious because I trust Timmy with everything. What's VIP? asked Anne. Very important people, baby, said Julian with a laugh. What did you think it meant? Violet indigo purple? (laughs) And then it says George looks affectionately at Julian. He was always so sensible and good-tempered. Well, that wasn't very sensible. No, I mean, he's absolutely mad at the moment, but still. It's nice that they get along. (laughs) They agree they'll be friendly, but not talk about Uncle Quentin. Aunt Fanny says that no one should stay up until 10.30, but they can watch from their bedroom. There's six flashes, so all is well. Very good. In Chapter 8, they see Uncle Quentin's signal at 10.30am and set off for a picnic in the quarry. 
Now, we know the quarry must be important because it's never been mentioned before, I don't think. Yes, you're right. I don't think we have heard of the quarry before. So, yes, we know it's going to be an important plot point in this book because it's been introduced. They happen upon Martin and he's looking for Stone Age weapons. Timmy finds a nice arrowhead and George invites Martin to their picnic, even though Dick is still unsure of him and gets annoyed when George talks about her father. Martin has lost his mother and he had a tutor before he was ill, so they offer him cake because they feel sorry for him. Timmy ignores Martin and Martin ignores Timmy and then Timmy sets off down a rabbit hole. Oh, Timmy. Another plot point, if Timmy goes down a rabbit hole, we know it's important. Oh, that's true. In chapter 9, George goes after Timmy and finds an old passageway. She tells Dick, who says they won't explore it today, Julian realises it's because he doesn't want Martin to be with them. They climb out of the quarry and go to Mr Curtin's house to watch television. Mr Curtin also has a transmitting set and it's very high powered. He asks them all to tea and they talk about Kieran Island. Dick kicks George because he thinks she's telling too much. Then Timmy cries and George has to take him outside. Dick follows and reveals that he made Timmy cry to stop George from talking. George storms home and Dick returns to quiz Mr Curtin. And that, of course, is the point where I realised that's, in fact, where Dick is acting out of character because I couldn't... I mean, they kick each other under the table every so often and I don't like it, but I see why. But kicking Timmy to make him cry is awful, Dick. Bad boy. Not cool. I was very unhappy with him and usually, as you know, he's one of my very favourites. In chapter 10, Dick explains that he was suspicious of Mr. Curtin asking questions in case he was after Uncle Quentin's secrets. But now he knows that Mr. Curtin is a journalist, he presumes he's just after information for a story. When they get back to Kieran Cottage, Dick apologises and George says, Don't talk to me tonight. I feel mad, but I'll get over it. Which is very, very good anger management, George. Yes. Yeah, she's very sensible then, and I liked her very much. They see Uncle Quentin's signal and go to bed. But the next morning, there are 18 flashes, not six. They head to the island, and Uncle Quentin says he feels like he's not alone. He heard two coughs and found a cigarette butt. Then he asks George if Timmy can stay with him. Oh, it's so horrible moment thinking that Timmy isn't going to be with the children and I was really hoping that the the children would be able to stay with Timmy on the island and I was a little bit heartbroken when they weren't allowed to. In chapter 11 George says Timmy can stay if she can stay too. She can't be parted from Timmy. Aunt Fanny gives a wonderful speech and even Timmy knows what the right thing is to do. George asks if Uncle Quentin will take Timmy up the tower for the signal so she can see him from the Coast Guard's cottage. Timmy is so good and wonderful in this part, but it does make me sad. George says, And you'll give him a few kind words and a pat occasionally, Father, won't you? And and put his bib on for him at mealtimes, I suppose, and clean his teeth at night, said her father, looking cross again. I shall treat Timmy like a proper grown-up dog, a friend of mine, George, and believe me, that's the way he wants me to treat him. Isn't it, Timmy? You like all those frills to be kept for your mistress, don't you? Not for me. Woof, said Timmy, and thumped his tail. The children looked at him admiringly. He really was a very sensible, clever dog. 
He seems somehow much more grown up than George. He is. He is so grown up and he's such a good boy. Then George has to leave Timmy and Katie cries. Oh, bless you. To distract George, they wonder how a man could get on the island, not by boat or by swimming, but maybe dropped from a plane. Ooh, Mm. very James Bond. Love it. In chapter 12, they arrive home and talk to Joanna, and Dick awards her the OBCBE, which is the Order of the Best Cooks of the British Empire. I love this award, and I actually put a note on this page, and what I wrote was, yes. And then underneath I wrote, and OBCBE, because I knew that later I'd go back and read yes and think, why did I put that in? But it's because... I agree that that should be an award if you do make delicious ginger biscuits and delicious food, and Joanna definitely deserves it. They think about exploring the tunnel, but it's going to rain, so Anne suggests they look at the old map of Kirin Island, and they talk about the events of their first book. I hadn't realised just how many times they talk about their old adventures. I know we've discussed this on the podcast before, so we won't go into it, but I hadn't re- I hadn't realised just how many times they do it. To be honest, I haven't noticed it that much. I think because I'm, I'm reading them for the first time and I'm so new to them, but in this I did see them, I did notice that they were retelling what they'd done, but I liked it a lot because I, I felt like I was there with them, like, oh yeah, and remember when they threw the box out of the window and then one of them says, I remember we threw it out the window. Oh, it's it's just so good. It's so good. (laughs) They realise that they never found the second entrance to the dungeons and agree that Uncle Quentin must have found it. And they decide to go for a walk. In Chapter 13, at the Coast Guards, they find that Martin has had an accident. George looks through the telescope but doesn't see anything. They approach Mr. Curtin's house and hear him yelling at Martin. When he is gone, they go and visit him. He was by the quarry and fell and twisted his ankle. He admits to having told his father about the tunnel. Martin is a secret artist, and apparently, since book two, Anne isn't too good at art. Now, in book two, when they had the tutor, Anne was the one drawing flowers out of her imagination. So she's obviously declined in quality. Oh, I forgot that she was doing the drawing in book two. I actually put a little note in on this page and I've written Anne so pure because I loved, um, Anne, you can't even draw a cat that looks like one, said Dick scornfully. And when you drew a cow, I thought it was an elephant. And I just thought, good on you, Anne, for drawing because it makes you happy and not because you can't draw a cat and your cow looks like an elephant. God bless you. Anne is just a shining star. Then comes a very strange bit of plot where Martin says he ran away from school and went to art school and then his father doesn't want him to, so didn't let him go anymore. I'm not sure about that. It's a throwaway line that when you look at it any closer than just as a throwaway doesn't kind of add up because you can't just go to a school. You have to enroll in all sorts of things. Yeah, I I didn't actually think about this line at all, but you saying it, of course, you don't just turn up at art school and say, oh, hello, I'm going to train today. Yeah. I mean, Martin's whole story is very... I mean, they make it on purpose so that it's very patchy and doesn't really go together. You know, like, he's looking for old stone arrowheads in the quarry too, but he doesn't have a trowel and the other boys do. But actually... Despite this being my favourite book so far, I wasn't very interested in Martin 
Mm. Just, I'm sorry, I just didn't care, Martin. I just didn't care. Mr. Curtin doesn't want Martin to do art, but they fetch some toys for Martin to paint and they have tea and he asks where Timmy is. In chapter 14, Martin is more likeable when he's painting and he even makes a joke. George deflects the question about Timmy and declares Mr. Curtin as horrid. On the way home, they agree it's odd without Timmy. They see eight flashes and go to sleep. In the morning, George plans to go to the Coast Guards while Anne helps Aunt Fanny and Dick and Julian do their homework. After the signal, George comes sprinting home. She is so worried she didn't see Timmy at all. She saw someone go to the tower and signal, but no Timmy. The others try and calm her. She wants to go to the island straight away, but the others say at least wait until the next morning. I love this bit from George. This, this is, I think... George is always a wonderful character who you always admire, but I identified with her so strongly in this when they're saying, wait until tomorrow morning and probably you'll see old Tim all right. And tomorrow morning? Why, that's ages away, said poor George. She put her head in her hands and groaned. Oh, nobody understands how much I love Timmy. You would, perhaps, if you had a dog of your own, Julian. It's an awful feeling, really. Oh, Timmy, are you all right? Bless her. Bless her so much. Nobody does understand how much she loves Timmy, but I do. I understand, George. Yeah, I understand too. Dogs are just precious. Yeah, we understand. Yeah, maybe if Julian had had his own dog, he'd understand too. George is worried all day. They all go to the quarry, but it's too wet to really... <laughs> I heard that, Stanley. Oh, you did? Good. I was hoping you would. I was hoping that Stanley would be a little guest on the podcast because his meow is it's quite loud and clear and he's having his um his sort of cat witching hour at the moment. And I was hoping he'd meow. That was good. I'm glad you heard it. <laughs> George heads home early and the others carry on their walk. She asks Alf slash James to have her boat ready at 10pm and he's not to tell a soul. She knows Uncle Quentin would not have forgotten his solemn promise. That night, George sneaks out and rows to the island. Back at Kieran Cottage, they see the signal as usual. George arrives and sees a beam of light and hears a voice that isn't Uncle Quentin. She hears another voice too. Strange men, and where is Timmy and her father? She finds the hidden second entrance to the dungeons and goes down the steps. Ooh. I'm glad she finds that second entrance. I'm glad that we now know where that is as readers. In chapter 16, she's hoping to see Timmy at any moment. She goes through the tunnel and hears a booming. She realises that she is under the sea. The passage opens out to a workroom and she sees strange machines and wires and more in another cave. Then she sees clothes and food. This is where Uncle Quentin has been living. Then she sees her father who doesn't quite believe it's her. The two men parachuted down to get his secret. Uncle Quentin wants to find a way to replace oil and coal and give the power to all of mankind, not just someone who wants to make money. I loved this bit. I was, this is the first time that I was really into Uncle Quentin when um, he tells George that he wants to replace all of the fuels and George says, oh, good gracious, that would be one of the most wonderful things the world has ever known. Yes, said her father, and I should give it to the whole world. It should not be in the power of any one country or collection of men. It shall be a gift to the whole of mankind. But, George, there are men who want my secret for themselves, so that they may make colossal fortunes out of it. Like, yes, yes, Uncle Quentin. You go, Uncle Quentin. I was, 
Oh my gosh, I was loving it. I was loving it, Katie. George finally gets Uncle Quentin to talk about Timmy. The men captured him, but of course, they're feeding him. George has to find Timmy. Yes, of course, you always have to take care of a prisoner in Famous Five, as you should in real life. And um, Timmy has been fed and he's got water. And it even says here, the men have not ill-treated him then, except to lasso him and half-choke him when they caught him. She felt round his neck tenderly. But except for a swollen ridge there, he seemed none the worse. I'm glad they took care of Timmy. I am too. And I think that's a real effort that Enid Blyton has gone to every single time to go. They're not in that much danger, really. I mean, I know it's terribly dangerous, but they've got food and water. They'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they just sort of have to wait in a in a sort of horrible room for a while, but they're not, <laughs> you know, they're not in any real trouble. In chapter 17, Uncle Quentin says he needs George to take a notebook to safety. She agrees and goes to find Tim. A boulder is covering a small cave. She frees him, but then a man with a gun is threatening her. Quickly, she gives Timmy the notebook and tells him to run. He sets off through the tunnels. George gives herself up and he takes her back to Uncle Quentin, praising her bravery. The men say if Uncle Quentin doesn't give up his secrets, they will blow up Kieran Island with George and Quentin on it. He's got until 10.30 the next morning. This is another sort of James Bond bit. They parachute in and then they threaten to blow everything up. I did like it when the men say to George, well, you're a tiresome nuisance, but my word, you're a son to be proud of. It's not many boys would have been brave enough to run so much risk for anyone. And I was really proud of George in that moment as well, because she is so, so brave. And as I've said before, I don't like it when she goes off on her own and leaves the other children. But I think she did the right thing in this book. She is a good girl. She is a good girl. She's fabulous. As you know, I am Team George and have been since a very young age. Mm -hmm. In chapter 18, George tells Uncle Quentin that Timmy has the book. And they decide they need Timmy to set upon the men and it's their only chance. But Timmy doesn't appear, even when George shouts for him. If only they could get a message to the others. Back at Kieran Cottage, Anne awakes to open a window. <laughs> Which, I don't know why, it just tickled me. She sees George's bed is empty and goes to tell Julian. Timmy appears and leaps onto him. Julian takes the book and recognises Uncle Quentin's handwriting. They can't work out why Timmy is there, but not George. He didn't swim back from Kieran Island, so how? When it gets light, they follow Timmy and he takes them to the quarry. And there's actually, it's at the start of this chapter, but there's another little bit about scientists, which I liked, because I do like to try and slowly piece together what exactly it is Uncle Quentin does. And um, when they're talking about how the island's going to be blown up, Uncle Quentin says, you know, I'll have to let them have my book of notes. I can't have you buried down here, George. I don't mind anything for myself. Workers of my sort have to be ready to take risks all their lives. What what kind of scientist <laughs> is he? This is just amazing. Goodness. Who knows? Who knows what this scientist is? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe throughout the series of books, I'll slowly find out what exactly kind of scientist Uncle Quentin is. Maybe. We'll certainly track his career. We will. We will. In chapter 19... Timmy heads into the tunnel, but they agree they must go back and get torches. Why do they not have torches on them? I anyway, know. 
Ah, when Martin appears with spades, they question him intensely, but it isn't until Anne cracks him with her kindness that he breaks down and tells them everything. Martin didn't move. He went very white and stared at Julian miserably. Anne went up to him, tears still on her face, and put her hand on his arm. Martin, what is it? Why do you look like that? What's the mystery? And then, to the dismay and horror of everyone, Martin turned away with a noise that sounded very like a sob. He stood with his back to them, his shoulder shaking. You see, you need Anne on the interrogation team, because she will crack you with kindness. She will. Martin tells them that Mr. Curtin is his guardian, not his father, and he's a blackmailer and a bad man who helps other bad men, like the men who are after Uncle Quentin's secrets. He also tells him the plan to blow up Kieran Island. It's revealed that the tunnel does lead to the island. Julian asks Martin to do the right thing and help them. Anne watches them disappear into the tunnel. As she's about to run to Kieran Cottage, she sees Mr. Curtin. He slips and falls down the quarry. He calls to Anne for help. Anne, he called. I've broken my leg, I think. Can you fetch help? What are you doing here so early? Have you seen Martin? Anne did not answer. If he had broken his leg, then he couldn't go after the others, and Anne could get away quickly. She climbed carefully, afraid of rolling down to the bottom and having to lie beside the horrid Mr. Curtin. Anne, have you seen Martin? Look for him and get help for me, will you? shouted Mr. Curtin, and then groaned again. Anne climbed to the top of the quarry and looked down. She cupped her hands round her mouth and shouted loudly, You're a very wicked man. I shan't fetch help for you. I simply can't bear you. And having got all that off her chest, the little girl shot off at top speed over the moor. Yes, Anne. Why is this not the Anne that people remember? I mean, I know why. I know why the parodies have her, oh, the little housekeeper doing the cooking. But so many times she's just stood up for herself or been frightened of a situation but gone anyway, which I makes know. her braver than the others. And you ask somebody what Anne is like and she's just a little girl cooking the dinner. She's all of those things. People can be all yes, of those things. Yes, that's true because she is the little girl that cooks the dinner but she's also really brave and really sensible and she has great ideas. Love her. In chapter 20, Timmy leads the three boys to the tunnel to George and Uncle Quentin. They're planning to jump the men, but they come back, and as Uncle Quentin won't give up his secret, they head off down the tunnel. George says they must get off the island in their boat. They head to the steps, but the stone can only be opened from the outside. Just when they think all is lost, they suddenly hear Anne's voice. They shout, Timmy barks, and one of the fishermen opens the stone. They all rush out, and Uncle Quentin goes straight to the tower. He smashes the power source in the tower so that the island will not explode. George buckles and has to sit down and her father joins her. Anne had run to tell Aunt Fanny and they had got the fishermen to take them across to the island. And then suddenly they're all making plans. Uncle Quentin asks the fishermen to take his stuff home. Julian promises to make sure Martin is okay. And it's like things are back to normal already, except at the quarry... Mr. Curtin is taken away by the police and they wait for the other men to come out of the tunnel. But they appear to be lost. So they send Timmy in. Johnson and Peters emerge and are taken away and arrested. They go for breakfast and Martin can live with the Coast Guard. How wonderful. 
Did anybody ask the Coast Guard? Uh, Yeah, they (laughs) haven't yet, but hopefully they will soon. Okay. And Aunt Fanny says they can all go to Kieran Island. And because this was quite possibly supposed to be the last book, it says, They all finished their breakfast at last and went out into the garden. They looked across Kieran Bay to Kieran Island. It looked lovely in the morning sun. We've had a lot of adventures together, said Julian, more than most children. They have been exciting, haven't they? Yes, they have. But now we must say goodbye to the five and to Kieran Island too. Goodbye, Julian, Dick, George, Anne and Timmy. But only Timmy hears our goodbye, for he has such sharp ears. Woof. Goodbye. I had forgotten that this was meant to be the last one. And when I read that, I thought, oh, that's sort of a a different ending. Because usually it says, you know, a lovely adventure, but we'll meet the five again later. And this one, it didn't. And I wasn't sure why. And now you've solved that mystery. Well, a lot of things that I've read said that Enid Blyton only meant to write six or eight books of the famous five. But when you read that ending, it does really feel... And because sort of this adventure kind of was up a notch, you know, with an explosion and things like that, it does feel like there's an end to it there. But I don't know if that's the case or if I'm just applying that to knowledge that I've got afterwards and she just wrote it like that anyway. Yeah, I suppose we'll never know. So that was... Five on Kieran Island again. And it was wonderful. It was definitely my favourite book so far. In this section, we look at the TV adaptations, the one from the 1990s and the one from 1970s. First off, the 1990s. And even by its own standard, it's pretty bad. There's some rather questionable acting from several of the people involved the story of course is condensed we know this because they have under 25 minutes to tell a whole story but what that means is when they first visit Kieran Island that's when Uncle Quentin asks for Timmy there's no mention of television and there's no real Mr Curtin getting to know them either it's George who finds the tunnel in the quarry by falling in it But there's a very nice scene between George and Uncle Quentin and it comes as no surprise to me that Jemima Rupert, who plays George, is a brilliant actor as an adult. And that's what we're going to listen to now. This clip features Jemima Rupert as George, Christopher Good as Uncle Quentin. It was written by Alan Seymour and directed by Michael Kerrigan. Father, it's me. I was dreaming. How did you get here? How is it possible you're here? Where's Timmy? Are you all right? Did you see those two men go out? Yes. Where's Timmy? We haven't got much time. Now listen, very carefully. These two men were parachuted one night onto the island to try and find my secret. How did they know about it? One of them, Johnson, learned just enough working with me to go to some powerful and greedy businessmen who want to control it all for their own profit. Which is why you wanted to work here secretly. And I made such a fuss. Never mind. This morning, as I was taking Timmy to the tower, these men captured both me and Tim. So that's why he wasn't in the tower. But I saw you. You saw a man pretending to be me and copying my signal. How could they know that I promised Tim would be there every day and that when he wasn't, my daughter would be on the warpath? 
And then we move on to the 1970s version. This story is combined with the very first story because if you remember they didn't have permission to film five on a treasure island so it's a double episode which means it's about 50 minutes long and a lot of it deals with julian dick and anne meeting george for the first time but it also means that uncle quentin can't ask for timmy on the island because they don't know george has him the person that blabs to Mr. Curtin the most is actually Rogers the gardener. Oh. And it's the three siblings that find the tunnel, not that it's very hidden. And they decide to keep it as their secret because George has said that she has a secret. And that secret's Timmy. But then they all start to share. Mr. Curtin is like a very suspicious man. He has no son, but he still invites these teenagers into tea. He has a telescope in his front room, which is trained on the island. The character of Johnson has a much bigger role in this. He actually gets involved by blackmailing Curtin, who was working for somebody else to start off with. And Dick is blabbing, not George. And the reason that George goes to the island is because, not because she can't see Timmy, but because she thinks she can see somebody on the island signalling in the tower where her father signals. The clip we're going to listen to, Timmy arriving back without George. This episode stars the usual five. It was written by Richard Sparks and directed by Peter Duffel. Hey, what's that? Burglars. Burglars don't make that much noise. Hey, what? Timmy! Hey, Timmy! What's that? Notes! Scientific notes! Look, that's the tower at Kirin. These must be Uncle Quentin's notes. We'd better get George. Come on, Timmy. Down, boy. Come on, Timmy. George. George. She's gone. Who's there? Anne, where's George? I don't know. She must have gone to the island. Then why didn't she come back with Timmy? And why isn't he all wet? I don't know. But if there is someone on the island, and only Timmy came back, she must be in danger. Wherever she's gone, Timmy will find her. It's nearly dawn. Get dressed quickly and get your torch. Come on, Dick. And Julian even says, get your torches. Well done, so, Julian. You know. And I loved this bit in the in the episode just as much as I did in the book when Timmy comes in and it's sweet the way um, the children are like oh it can't be a burglar and then Timmy comes in oh it just lifts my heart when he comes in he's such a good dog just finally a little clip from the 1970s because we are in the Anne fan club the Anne club and this is when Anne in no uncertain terms. No, actually, she does go to help Mr. Curtin, and then he makes a grab for her, and then she reacts. Well, I'll let you listen. Well, come on. Help me, can't you? Well, come on. Don't just stand there. You can't just leave me here. Oh, all right. Ah! Oh, it serves you right, you horrible man. I knew I shouldn't trust you. You can jolly well stay there until I get the police. I knew I shouldn't trust you. Anne is incredible. 
And I loved this bit in the book and I loved this bit in here. And I sort of, um, I think for the purpose of the show, it's actually nice that they add in that she does go to help him because we know that she is kind and she is good. And he grabs for her and then she thinks, well, no, you are a nasty man. Well done, Anne. So what have we learned from Five on Kieran Island again? Well, we know that buck up with your bun does not mean hurry up, but we also know that it has been added to our little lexicon, our famous five dictionary, as a um, a food analogy to make you feel better about your life. That, as Julian says to Martin, if there's something you really love doing, then you should go all out for it. Joanna is the best cook. Be careful near damp quarries. Absolutely. We haven't talked about this previously, but I think we're going to be in agreement. Katie, who did you think was the hero of the book? George. Yes. It's a long time coming. And actually, I think George is naturally quite brave and adventurous anyway. So that's maybe why she didn't get the nod for the last five books. But her love for Timmy means that she will literally do anything to make sure he's okay. Absolutely. And also, as well as her worries about Timmy, she does, she's not, you know, completely cold to her father. She realises that Timmy not being there means that everybody's in danger. And she is so incredibly brave to go on her own. Just well done, George. I was so proud of her in this book. So. Next time it's book seven, and what can we expect? Two words spook trains. That sounds amazing. And two more words special guest. Ooh, that sounds double amazing. This is our announcement. We are going to be joined next time by Charlie Revel Smith. He is an author. An actual genuine author. How exciting. I know. And he has a huge love for the Famous Five. We are very excited that he is going to join us to talk about book seven. I know this is going to be fun. So it's going to be two mega fans and one new mega fan. Two two old, two original mega fans, one new mega fan. Maybe that should be. It'll be great. It's going to be great going to be incredibly excited so you can join us for that in january and all that's left is for us to say have a very merry christmas and happy new year we will join you in 2018 for more famous five adventures in the meantime if you want to follow us on twitter we are are at famous five pod and you can also come to our website which is www.famous5pod.wordpress.com or you could even drop us an email famous5pod at gmail.com and yeah happy holidays to everybody have a wonderful christmas have a wonderful new year and we look forward to being back with you in 2018 Thank you so much for listening to the Famous Five podcast. And please join us next month for more adventures. Goodbye. Goodbye.